0: The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app.
1: For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mm -mm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel too thumbs up for mcdonald's steak egg and cheese bagel for breakfast love it i participate in mcdonald's
2: on the september 13th edition of the pff forecast we've got some news from around the league questions from the dark web an unstable stat or two of the week survivor picks and of course our picks of the week let's rock All right, before we get started, I want to remind you guys, of course, that this information is great, but if you don't do anything with it, well, you're blowing it. So head to mybookie.ag. It's what we both use. We love it. Uh, They have all the bets you could possibly want, plus in-game live betting, which is probably the number one thing that I would look for. And they have the best customer service and make it easy to cash out. So use promo code PFF to get a dollar-for-dollar match on your first deposit. MyBookie plus PFF, it is a pretty perfect combination. Play, you win, you get paid. All right. Um, another couple of uh, things that we need to tell people about. We're doing a Sunday night podcast. Uh, How to go? Uh, rate us out of 10. This last week?
0: Oh, we have a lot, a lot, a long way to go. I think Um, probably about a three out of 10 that first night because I think we're both, we're both on what, three or less hours of sleep.
2: And if you don't think that I'm going to complain about that sarcastically every single week, then you (laughs) have not been listening to this podcast. But it's arduous, man. Like having to work in sports and travel, uh, I I just can't even tell you. Um, But we're going to keep that going. And it's either going to be. Hopefully we're going to be able to do it right after the game, um, depending on when I'm traveling back, but we're going to try and do it right after so that it's up first thing in the morning. Because, look, Mondays can be dark, man. So we want to give you something to to listen to first thing in the morning. And then the last thing that I will mention is we've got a ton of great YouTube content on uh, PFF TV. Subscribe. Check it out. We've got the college pick of the week. We've got some early look-ahead stuff that kind of goes along with that Sunday night pick. Some trends to to look at because you know how much we love trends, Um, just like NFL league-wide, and a bunch of other good stuff.
0: Yeah, and we really appreciate you all that you know listen to the the, the uh, podcast on Monday morning. We also you know really enjoy the feedback we've gotten on YouTube uh, with our content there. So
2: we do. You enjoy the feed. You first off, you read the feedback.
0: Uh, okay, we're not. I, if let's I'm see- in a dark place, George, then I then I'll then I'll read the, the feedback all right. there. But
2: uh, thoughts and prayers for Eric who is reading <laughs> YouTube comments. All right, let's let's rock into it. So um, there's I think the news that is affecting me most, and probably you most, is what has happened to the Atlanta Falcons, which is, um, depending on who you talk to, a destruction of the core being of the (laughs) Atlanta Falcons, which is Deion Jones. So Deion Jones, we I think we sort of realized his immense value when we took them against the Rams last year, right? And we were like, this is the reason, right? Mm -hmm. He can cover. He's going to keep Todd Gurley in check. So they lose him. They lose Keanu Neal as well. Uh, You add that up, it's like, what, two and a quarter wins above replacement, depending on, you know, who their replacements are, obviously. Um, We told people to take them as a Super Bowl pick. How how are you feeling?
0: Yeah, and and even we saw like when they beat New Orleans last year on Thursday night, even with like one of the worst performances we've ever seen, Matt Ryan, you know, put up, he made that interception in the end zone. He's a terrific player. He does a lot of things. I would say, you know, the Keanu Neal thing hurts, but you know, Demonte KZ looked like a player that could probably above replacement level. So it, it really is Jones, and and you know, they they've invested in the position with Duke Riley and and. Uh, you know, so I do think that they have somebody in there that can possibly approximate half of what Deion Jones is. But hopefully, they get him back. You know, mid-season, and then our Super Bowl pick doesn't look terrible. We'll probably you know talk more about this on the the Monday morning pod. Seeing how they do against Carolina will really, I think, determine you know whether Thursday jump night in was the gun a fluke here. or jump in the gun. Yeah.
2: No. Okay. So here's the thing that I want to remind people is that the team that won the Super Bowl last year had injuries across the board. Right mm-hmm. at quarterback, left tackle, at linebacker—not yep. you know at coverage linebacker. Right, um, so I, I think we should probably slow our roll here. The point that I want to make is this: whether they're going to be successful or not, whether they're going to be Super Bowl contenders or not, is there's a there's a much bigger issue well before you yes, get to very much. Deion Jones, and that is their offensive play. Okay, so I actually thought this was kind of interesting. You gave us a three out of ten on our Sunday night pod. What would you give the Falcons? We love the Falcons. What would you give the Falcons
0: inside the ten offense on Thursday night? I mean, uh, you know, when they developed negative numbers, that's exactly what they were for, right? I mean, I would say, you know, they were elite, they were terrible inside the ten. Their performance on Thursday night. You look at their defense they played terrifically, right? I think at the cornerback position, they're strong. I think in the interior of the defensive line, they're strong. I'm I'm with you. I think it all starts with Matt Ryan. If Matt Ryan doesn't perform the way he's performed in recent seasons, who cares what their middle linebacker is? Uh, and, and if he plays like he did in 2016, 2017, I think that the loss of these two players is probably mitigated significantly.
2: So this got us thinking, because we've been we want to dig a little deeper, obviously, into the passing game, as opposed to the running game. Um, but first, the passing game and in particular things that, you know, can score points quickly, which mm-hmm. is when you're close to the end zone. Right. So looking at red zone stuff and actually Zach Robinson, who we go to with any question football related said, you should really go like 12 and in it. That's mm-hmm. when offenses tend to change. Um, and you know, th- once you do, there are some like sort of scary things that, that show up. If you look at Matt Ryan to Julio Jones, when they, when he's targeted in the end zone, Pass rating falls from 107 to 66, right? It's like actually really bad. And they go, if you look at the top 30 combos over the past, I think, five or six years or whatever, um, they go from being in the top three grade wise, each of them, to in the bottom three, each of them. In fact, they're one of only three combos to generate negative expected points added on targets in the end zone. That's ridiculous for how good they are, because no one's generated more expected points than they have outside of those targets. So um, I I think there are some real, you know, that could have a huge bang for their buck, right? If they can just sort of figure that out.
0: Yeah. Do you think so? Just from you know, we know that red zone stuff, whether it's because of sample size or or because the the outcome space is so much wider we know that that's not stable right it's not Mm -hmm. something like there isn't Kirk Cousins doesn't have this red zone trait Matt Ryan doesn't have this red zone trait in our opinion Julio Jones has been one of the most efficient wide receivers in the NFL for quite some time and yet in this red zone area they struggle for whatever reason and it, it seemed to be it has seemed to have been you know something that is that has you know spanned offensive coordinators, you know, spanned weeks of the season, playoffs, mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. Do we think that this is something that's going to eventually regress and we just continue to be frustrated with this kind of like bad luck we're getting or or is this something that, you know, for for the Falcons specifically is going to be something we're going to have to sweat out the entire year? So
2: I, I think that we need to be careful when we say unstable and just like write off everything.
0: Right. Right? Because when we
2: talk about that, we're saying, well, it's relative to other things. It's not very stable. And and sure. But there's also good players and bad players, right? Mm-hmm. And when you have a huge sample that says these two guys are good and then they suck drastically in this specific area, I, I want to say that part of that has to fall on other you know, sides of um, the blame train or whatever you want to call it, right? And so I do think part of it comes down to just making simple decisions with play calling and targeting and stuff. So I, I looked at this. And I didn't tell you because I want you to do some guesswork because I think you might be able to get us in the right direction. So let's start with, let's start with route because that's, that's fun. So routes uh, thrown from inside the 12, okay? And I looked at ones with over 100 targets since 2014. Okay. Can you guess the only route, <laughs> the only route, that is negative expected points the fade.
0: Added. I mean it's not even close. Yeah, right. I mean cuz <laughs> we've seen this happen like the fade and, and again this is back
2: 469 to- fade routes thrown, negative 0.18 EPA per. You might as throw. well run the ball
0: at that rate, right? So yeah.
2: so In fact, this is this is wonderful. There are two there are two throw types that are negative EPA with 100 plus throws. One is the fade route, and the other is the throw away. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that says it all, right? So let's go to the positive side of things. Um, We've got a post route. We've got the out. We've got the quick out, crossing route, slant. And actually, backfield routes are up there ahead of things like um, screens and hitches, um, which is not surprising. Corner routes are down there a little bit. in routes or out there a little bit or or down there a little bit and one of the things that i thought this was indicative of is where you're running these routes from so the conversation we had was like okay if i'm gonna run out routes for example i want to run them out of the slot or whatever i have a little more space i want to you know make the cornerback move a little bit and so if you look at position from which the player that was targeted is running
0: who do you think climbs to the top I think it'd either be slot or tight end, right? Okay,
2: but you got to pick one here. Uh, there's slot. one. There's one that is. Uh, I'll say this. Okay, one is drastically higher than than the the kind of the rest of the field, and it's either tight end or slot.
0: I would say slot receiver. Yeah, you're wrong. It's the tight end. Well, see, I, okay. I was you're going against for... my own my own playing bias as a tight end.
2: Here. Yeah. So and and all three. So tight end, slot, and backfield route, all above. The wide receiver. And I yep. think that speaks to exactly what we just talked about with the fade route, right? Like, where are you running that from? You're Running it from out wide. Now, this is not, we're not looking at like actual splits, right? So sure, you can have the long side of the field. You can bring the guy in, whatever. I get that. But those are small sample size things. And I think this speaks to just some general things that you can do. Right. So you're so you're putting together your plays for inside the 12 and you're thinking, okay, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to make sure I feature the tight end, I feature the slot, and I'm just going to look for route combinations that will allow my quarterback to more often than not try and make his first read, you know, to one of those yep. those routes. I don't think it's that complicated. And this is sort of just the beginning of looking at these things.
0: Do teams. you think this is a difficulty in in how the Falcons are built, though? Because, obviously, their, their biggest investment is to the wide receiver. I think that there's always this, like, some cost fallacy of wanting to – Right, we saw this with Barkley and the Giants. And when you when you invest heavily in a position, even if it's negative EV or, or less than you know another thing's expected value, you sort of go to it. The Falcons, I mean, Austin Hooper, you know, Levine right. Toy Lolo in pre, in previous years. Basically, they haven't had a tight end that, that you would want to throw okay. to on their team since put, Tony Gonzalez. Just put Julio at tight end. Yeah, fair. He's he's as big as one, right? Why not?
2: Uh, I also think you should run. This is I'm not going to pull up any data right now. But I would run a. I would have seven trick plays ready to go. And every time I'm inside the five, and it's an important point in the game, I'm running one. I might not do it on fourth down. I'm running one every time. I'm practicing them. My team is ready to, to run them. It's not like some spurious thing. But I'm doing that every time. Here's what I'll also say. And, and we brought this up with the Falcons. Not necessarily because we've tested them out and we think they're doing it poorly. Actually, we haven't looked at that. Mm-hmm. Just a... Hot topic of conversation What I did like that they did Were two things, right? They went for it on fourth down When they should have the first time They should have done it the second time But that was an edgier case, right? But then they had that heavy set Where they then spread everyone out, right? And they just ended up having Devontae Freeman on the field Instead of Tevin Coleman And, you know, his T-Rex arms Couldn't catch it But looking at number of receivers on the field This will shock you as well, right? If you have two or fewer receivers You double- your EPA per play relative to having three receivers on the field. Now, certainly distance to the goal line matters there, but like, let's not be nitpicky here and just accept the fact that if you throw out of running sets, you're going to have more success. Yeah,
0: I think deception has got to be key, and it's got to be key especially in the, re- in the red zone. Um, one of the things that we did see with the Falcons, just briefly looking at it, was throwing to their backs, and we don't mean shovel passes to Teron Ward, but throwing to the backs out of the backfield has been... Has been relatively for them fruitful in the in the red zone. So I just think the the issue is is all the fantasy people, all the the people that want to see Julio score more than three touchdowns are getting after the Falcons. Well, I do
2: want to see him score more than three touchdowns, but that's just so I see the team play well.
0: Yeah, but but at the same time, when you get down in the red zone, I don't think Julio is their problem. I think that the the you know the selection the you know they ran th- like four verticals on their last three plays of the game. Right, right. I, I just don't know if that's necessarily the way to go.
2: Yeah, and, uh, look, I mean, we can go back and forth on this for a while, but as getting back to your first point, right, there is a lot of instability, and that's a small sample size, yeah. and so things could change very, very quickly. And
0: if they do, you're going to see a lot of value on the Falcons, I think, even starting this week.
2: And season. that is the point, which is, if you're betting on the Falcons, and you see that price drop now because they lost a the game and because of Dion Jones going out, remember, the key is still going to be whether they get that offense figured out. So if you believe in that and you think it's undervalued, I'd still bet on it. Okay, um, that was a long time. Other news uh, from around the league that you want to touch on?
0: Yeah, I just and this is just brief, but I I really you know we you saw it being there on Sunday night yourself uh, against the Bears. I really like what the Packers did yes. against the Chicago Bears. They ran seven defensive backs on the field 21% of the time. They had... You by know, necessity, though. That's the fun... So the
2: question I would ask you real quick is like, is this strategic or is it by necessity? Because if they put a linebacker out there, it's like putting you out there.
0: I mean, yeah, right? So, um, But that's awesome, though, right? Oftentimes, innovation comes out of necessity, right? So if you look at... If you look at them, they're putting six defensive backs on the field, you know, 42% of the time, which is, you know, up there. Brilliant. And the other 21%, they have seven, and they stopped the, like, so they, they had the perfect defense. They gave up a 55% success rate or positive EPA on early rundowns. They gave up only, you know, 40% or negative EPA on pass downs on early downs. And their defense did great, right? It, honestly, if you take away the, the fact they got almost no pressure, the Clay Matthews, horrible plays, right? You take all those out. Of the, their defense was one of the most improved units in Week 1, and I think that that bodes well for them. And as you said, it was out of necessity. It's such a funny accident that this happened. And and and, and to their credit, they drafted in such a way that they're ready to implement this type of defense from day one with Josh Jackson and... Uh, and their other draft pick, I forgot the first-round pick, uh, Jair Alexander. So um, just, a, just a really, you know, I think, fun dynamic. We'll see if this kind of stays the same way against the Vikings, a team that likes to run multiple tight ends and a fullback and all that kind of stuff. I'd love for it to still happen, even with that big personnel that Minnesota has uh, in Lambo this week. It's brilliant. Okay, there are some players that are injured, and
2: we're going to run through this really quickly. So I'm going to say the name, and you're going to tell me
0: whether you think it's a big deal or not. Delaney Walker. Yes, I think it's a big deal. Uh, Doug Baldwin. Yes, I think it's a big deal.
2: Mark Smiriot is alive, but he's hurt. Big deal.
0: Absolutely. I think the Titans want to win the AFC South.
2: Uh, Greg Olson. Yes. Not as big as Luke Keeley, but I think you're right. I think the Doug Baldwin one is the biggest uh, because, man, that like offense has gone through him right for so long, and they're fairly thin everywhere else. I'm here for Tyler Lockett, but, I mean,
0: Will Disley, are you here for Will Disley?
2: Jeez. That was uh that was kind of a brutal game, right? Ended up on 3 and so push city, but whatever. All right, unstable stat of the week time. Do you have a good sponsor for this?
0: Uh No, actually brought to you by
2: uh Good, your sponsorship decisions. Unstable <laughs> stat of the week this week. There we have two. The first is turnovers forced defensively. Now, the reason we're bringing this up if you happened well, two reasons, sure, but the big one is that the Pittsburgh Steelers turned the ball over 500 times against the Cleveland Browns and still ended up in a tie, and so I think there's value here on the
0: Steelers because that is simply unstable, right? Yeah, so the Steelers are minus four, minus four and a half, depending upon how you you know where you get it against Kansas City at home, and I think everybody's sort of gravitating towards. The Chiefs, because of a couple things, right? So the Chiefs' defense, people thought was going to be a disaster. They they were in Week One. You know, the Chargers couldn't convert a lot of deep. You know, they dropped a lot of passes and everything. But the Steelers looked really poor uh, against Cleveland. They turned the ball over six times. Interestingly, though, turnovers forced defensively, right, um, correlate year to year at just a rate of about point one eight. So it's really one of those again unstable stats. Turnovers are just random fumbles. Are recovered randomly, but you know, if you were a Sealer's better last week, it did really suck, right? Losing that fourteen point lead uh, with six sec- uh, six minutes to go, um, but I, but it's one of those things that I don't think should be part of your thinking process moving forward.
2: Look, that's this is why pass rating sucks because touchdowns and interceptions are the main driver of pass rating. So well, I think we wrote this article months ago, right? But we just replaced touchdowns and interceptions with big time throws and turnover worthy. Uh, throws and basically what that does is say okay regardless of the result of the play was this a great throw or was yep. it a totally crappy throw that should be turned over and those on their own are more stable than touchdowns and interceptions so when you throw those into pass rating it like greatly increases its stability and therefore we should not overreact to six t- turnovers do you remember a game perhaps where the Steelers turned the ball over a crap ton last year
0: yeah and they lost to the Jaguars, you know by a million by, by a million and they off they offered significant line value. I think we even got a lock of the week out of them against Detroit. Uh, one of the subsequent weeks. Right, we had a Thursday night where we backed them against Tennessee. Jeez. So so those those were great. I think another another thing to talk about here is again, not to not to talk about Atlanta too much, but it, their defense was one of the worst in the league last season enforcing turnovers on a per drive basis. We saw in week one their only touchdown was set up by a an interception. Uh DeMonte Casey with a big hit, Deion Jones with an interception. They even then though, Nick Foles gave them a lot of opportunities uh, that they didn't capitalize on. I think as the season progresses, we're gonna see that. That gravitate at least towards the, the league average, and their defense will be very good.
2: So the second unstable stat of the week, it, which is one that we talk about a lot, but I think in week one, because of overreaction nation, which is 99% of people. It, it has the fifth GDP
0: in the in the entire world.
2: It's fantastic. Uh, is the, the concept of how unstable pressure is. And the reason I think of this is because the Savior, Jesus, uh, he was under a lot of pressure, right? The uh, I mean, for they were two thousand years, really. They were out to get him. So uh, Jimmy G was under pressure. I want to say fifty, yes, fifty percent of the time. Nineteen of thirty-eight dropbacks against the Vikings, who are great, right? Um, and he was bad under pressure. Thirty-nine point seven through a couple of picks. You know, I think one was that awful pick six right after George Kittle, who maybe should have his first name changed based on how unclutched that catch was. Um, drop that you know, bomb that would have been a touchdown. Next play, pick six. But here's the reason that you should pay attention to this. There's two things that we always talk about with, with pressure. Okay, A guy's probably going to regress to the mean. It's unstable. So don't overvalue a guy who was good. And if a guy was really bad, likely people are lumping that into his overall you know, what he is as a quarterback. Yep. The second thing, though, and this is the important thing that goes with it, how often was a guy under pressure? pressure. So Jimmy G was under pressure 50% of the time, and that decreases by 20% against the Lions. A, he won't be as bad, because Lions aren't probably as good a defense as the Vikings. And B, he'll have 20% more time to throw from a clean pocket, from which he has been very good.
0: Yeah, the Detroit Lions, Ziggy Ons, I believe has a little bit of an injury. Even then, they're not. Oh, they're <laughs> oh no! Yeah, I'm they're not, out. I'm
2: done. Come they're not good now. there.
0: The the other thing is is the you know the, the injury luck that the Niners didn't get. They had a couple injuries to their offensive line against a team like you said with Minnesota. I would I would fade the public on on the Jimmy G overreaction here. Yeah,
2: the uh, his entire receiving core got the stigmata apparently. All right, a uh, couple others that I think are worth noting. Um, in terms of played really poorly under pressure, and you know that could probably change. Deshaun Watson eight point five passer rating. No, no, it's yards per
0: attempt, right? That was his <laughs> yards per attempt under pressure, or no? That was that was his passer rating.
2: <laughs> Interesting. Really bad. Now he was under pressure forty three percent of the time. That could continue for the entire season. <laughs> Alex Smith was under pressure forty six percent of the time, and was actually good ninety three point four passer rating. Um, I don't know why I'm mentioning pass rating. It sucks. But um, it gives you a sense of the things that are likely to regress, which is actually why I kind of like it more than I like normal passer rating because it tells you just like how – Far to one side People are valuing them
0: Right That was the Ben Roethlisberger Like passer rating Was within four points In a clean pocket Over the last four years Within 40 points In a pressured pocket Over the last four years You see the, the variance there And I do think Passer rating's a bad stat But in this particular case It does highlight The variability Can
2: I tell you one That I think is on the other side Of the fence That could regress uh, Sure We're taping this Before this game happens So we'll uh, stop It's your job To figure out How to edit this And make me sound smart Joe Flacco was under pressure, seventeen percent of the time in Week One against. I, do we call, are they an NFL team, CFL team? They're I, the the, yeah. the, <laughs> the Buffalo Bills, um, and was great, hundred and three pass rating. So, if there's one thing I know about Joe Flacco, it is that under pressure, not elite. So, if that percentage goes up and he regresses back down to the mean, and the Bengals, I think have a, They're at least an NFL team. I think their defense is a top 10 go. unit. So uh, you can, if you can find a time machine when you listen to this, you can go capitalize on this piece of information. All right. That was Unstable Stat of the Week. Really one of the best we've had despite the lack of a sponsor. Next up is the trend zone. It, it, we are – the first few weeks are – it's such a refreshing – it's like walking out into your – like the first day of spring. Flowers are blooming, and those flowers – are trends? Are trends just waiting to be picked, waiting to be plucked? So many of them. Oh my, it's beautiful. So the the one that I really love here is the total has gone under in four of the last five meetings between Jacksonville and New England. Pfft, hammer the
0: under, hammer.
2: Yeah, the. <laughs> I mean, how? Whatever it, the idea, the thing that is ridiculous. Chad about this Henney is, really
0: struggled that one game,
2: George. Can you imagine that Vegas like doesn't know this?
0: Right, so we. I pulled one over on Vegas. <laughs> right, and like, like, what is it, you know Luke McCown played for the Jaguars. I mean, yes, obviously the like, <laughs> the
2: players being totally different is
0: the the thing that's also funny about this game is it's
2: potentially being played in a monsoon. Um, also, thoughts and prayers for everyone out there in a non-sarcastic way. That's a, the problem. Can you imagine the problem going is when you're always sarcastic and then you try and do something nice. It's can you imagine going to a right
0: game? Way. And one of the quarterbacks is Blake Bortles, and then you get rained on the entire time. Hey man, I like Blake.
2: I know you do. I'm also here for Doug Marone. I want to see Doug Marone be successful. We do like Doug Marone. Man. I love Doug
0: Marone. We like every team. We want every team to be successful.
1: Uh,
2: I don't know. Okay. Uh any oh no, we have one more trend zone. This comes from the the big, big guy. An Illuminati Steve member. Palazzolo. Palazzolo. I was going to call him the big Palazzolo, and I messed that up. But Steve Palazzolo has an important trend for us to monitor. Sample size of one, but the strength of it cannot be underestimated, and that is Ryan Fitzpatrick, who looked more like, uh, like prime Peyton Manning against the Saints, like 15 big-time throws or something like that. It was just ridiculous. Not 15, but ridiculous. Highest-graded guy. The last time that he had a game grade in the '90s, for whatever that's worth, he plummeted, plummeted back to earth uh, in the following game. So,
0: take the Eagles. Yeah that <laughs> that game is going to be one big variance fest, don't you think? With uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Nick Foles, like I feel like I, I I don't know. I'm glad that we don't have a pick on that game, to be quite honest with you. There you go. Next up,
2: questions from the dark web brought to us, of course, by our good friends at Sampo Ranta. They are setting you up for success this NFL season with new flavors every single week. It's a sparkling water for men. Finally. finally. They've got a new flavor this week. It is artisanal acai with a hint of self-congratulation because you got at least one thing right in week one. And for that, you should tell everyone because everyone cares about you. Sampo Ranta is... It's artisanal acai, acai, something like that. Um, BevMo, Amazon, wherever fine beverages are sold. All right, question from the dark web this week. Hey, guys, great job in knowing yourself enough to mistrust the mind and rely on relevant stats. Thank you. This is from Archer007, by the way. Can you grade the three coaches of each team, head coach, offensive, and defensive coordinators, for example? Atlanta's current OC is down. I guess he doesn't like Steve Sarkeesian. Whereas Kyle was a plus,
0: yeah. So so we actually do have like some coaching metrics, and we there do. were some guys that uh, that stood out in week one. One of the ones that I that I was really impressed with um, was Frank Reich uh, of the Indianapolis Colts. Not not surprised. Yeah. So so he, you know, I think that the you know. The, despite the fact that the Colts were caught by our hometown Cincinnati Bengals I think he put Andrew luck in a position to succeed you know in his return 23.2 percent of his passes were positively graded um and you know I, I think that their supporting cast did pretty well as well 5.4 uh, percent of his passes were big time throws uh, I think a very very encouraging uh you know part you know for the for the league as a whole but also for the Colts and I think Frank Reich uh, you know it deserves a bit of that credit.
2: Can I tell you what I like most about andrew luck 's game? His average time to throw below two point five so i I just think I think Frank Wright gets it, and I think everything that we have heard out of Philadelphia about him leaving is is really hammering that home yep. like this guy was an important part of what we did last year, and as much as i 'm a believer in the numbers, you know me and i 'm all about the type of character and culture a guy builds. And my God, could they have you know, benefited from some good culture in Indianapolis. So I think the two things that he's bringing to the table, which is like actually thinking about what he's doing with Andrew Luck, plus maybe getting that team in order mentally is a nice, a nice uh, combo there.
0: Yeah, another one that I like is Jeremy Bates, uh, the New York out of the New York Jets, right? I think they did a pretty good job. Great job with calling the Lions'
2: plays by Jeremy Bates,
0: <laughs> right? So obviously, obviously, you can't ignore the fact that the Lions gave a lot of that game to the Jets. Um, but you know, Sam Darnold, after his initial you know turnover-worthy LOL play uh, on the first play, he was you know he was accurate. You know, in terms of either you know, it was a ball that was caught or dropped on 85% of his throws, um, they generated .22 EPA per drop back for Darnold. Uh, 30, almost 35% of his passes earned a positive grade in his first start. So uh, you know, bravo to the Jets for you know, taking an offense that I don't think any of us would confuse for the 1989 49ers and giving, them, uh, giving their, their quarterback a good first start. Yeah, there's
2: nothing like uh, looking at how coaches performed in their first start. Yeah. 0-7. Will they ever win a
0: game? Who knows? We're going to actually get to that later. Yeah, you jumped the gun on that one. So we have two jumps of the gun uh, so far.
2: What does jump the gun mean? Well, track. Oh, that's right.
0: Yeah. I didn't didn't run track, so.
2: Um, Survivor picks. This is the part of the show that I really love. Uh, who did you pick in your survivor pool, Eric?
0: I was in two survivor pools. I All right,
2: them. that's good. So who are we going to pick this week?
0: <laughs> Man. Uh, I don't care. I, I, well, I know you don't care. Okay, cool. So uh, let's just talk briefly New Orleans, which is, you know, probably going to be a theme here. Um, I think New Orleans is a great pick this week. They get the Browns. uh, Obviously, the Browns coming off a high. New Orleans coming off a low. And then also New Orleans in the next few weeks has teams that are tough in Atlanta, Washington, Baltimore, and Minnesota. Tune
2: Tune in next week for Eric to tell you that a Super Bowl contender is a good bet against the worst team in the NFL.
0: Yeah, but they also don't have a ton of okay, future who's value. A team,
2: who, yeah, okay, who's a team that is not going to be the most picked team this week that is good value?
0: Washington. Nice. Yeah, we like Washington this week. Um, so, you know, in future weeks they have Green Bay, New Orleans, and the Panthers so on their Frank, schedule, so not a ton of.
2: That's an interesting game, right, because the Colts lost that game. That's obviously a big game for the Colts. Washington won on the road. Um, that's an interesting one. Um, what about the Rams?
0: Yeah, the Rams have an easy one with the Cardinals this week, but they also have a lot of future value, right? Being okay. able to play the, the the Cardinals again later in the year as well as... With
2: Rosen, for sure. Yeah, but, you know.
0: as well, you know. And, and so, honestly, I think that this week they're, they're kind of the trap, uh, as New Orleans was last week. All right? right, that
2: was 15 minutes too long on Survivor Picks, so we'll move now to something that matters, which is value on Super Bowl odds. Okay, so the the team that I think we agreed on the most in terms of future Super Bowl value... Uh, was the Falcons one that we also discussed? Was actually the Chiefs, who you know I think people are probably overvaluing now yes. at this point based on that. Um, but you know had a good showing. So now looking one week in, it's crazy how much, for example, winning a game that you were not favored to win can change the outlook of things. Um, so some teams that now have a you know decent bit of value is a team like Washington that you just mentioned.
0: Yeah, so we have them at a roughly 3% chance to win the Super Bowl. Um, Their Super Bowl odds on MyBookie.ag are 40 to 1, so that has positive EV. New England, right, so... I think a lot of people expected New England to por- perform a little less favorably than they did in Week One. Um, they are five to one on my bookie, which is normally not a good play, but we still have them as about a twenty-two percent chance to win the Super Bowl. So they are still a positive expected value um, I, for this future.
2: I think it's interesting. I think this is an actually a great time to bet on New England, and I, I just think people are sleeping on them a little bit. Uh, you know, they they won that game, but it was close. There wasn't, you know, I think, a- so I think after this week, they're you know, they're playing in this primetime game against Jacksonville. It's a rematch. You've got Romo and Nance on there. Hello, friends. And they win that game handily. All of a sudden, people are back on it. But I think there's a lot of different teams that people are talking about. Um, so I'd snap them up now. I'm not betting on Washington and Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, New England still. New England's still a bottom, you know, six, seven uh, schedule in the league coming up, right? So they, you know, I think that they're pretty good there. Um, Washington, as you said, might not be necessarily my pick, as they probably have a top twelve uh, schedule. But as you said, winning a game where you're an underdog in these win simulations is going to be a good thing because not only do you get a win where you were expected to get like point four of a win, right. but also your rating goes up as a result. And, and hence, f- you're, you're more favorably projected into the future. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I I think Washington's a compelling team, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't necessarily know if I'd put my money uh, on them winning the Super Bowl, regardless of the value.
2: The fighting Jay Grudens. Though, in our discussion, when we were making our picks, and this will lead nicely in the next segment. So when we were trying to make our picks uh, for the Super Contest this week, we had this conversation about Washington. And you made an excellent point, which was... Look, I, I know Washington hasn't been the most fantastic team, but Kirk Cousins isn't that great. Uh, you know, Sean McVay was there; he left. Jay Gruden has done a pretty darn good job with, you know, maybe not the best quarterback play, putting together an offense that has been consistently above average. And I think, um, I think you're spot on there. I, you know, I, I obviously don't think Washington's winning the Super Bowl, but um, you know, crazier things have crazier things happen.
0: Uh, probably not. If I, Washington
2: won the Super Bowl, would that how crazy would that be?
0: That would be crazy. I yeah. The, the Gruden thing is interesting because I think he's he's not given the kind of credit that the Shanahan's and the McVeys and stuff. But as I said to you, I think the fact that he had McVeigh in the room and he gave him the type of freedom that he did well, it's means that his brother g- told him.
2: By the way, luminary John Gruden. You should check out our, our YouTube video on um, on the Cleo Mac trade because if you can
0: handle the smugness. It is
2: a take that I am a thousand percent in on, and that is that John Gruden is an absolute genius. This Cleo Mac trade is an, a hoodwinking of everyone out there. It's it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. He is playing chess along with. A few other coaches in the league. It, it was a brilliant move. I am. I was selling the Raiders. I still think they're going to go under, but I am buying the future value of the Raiders right now. Yeah, they're winning a Super Bowl before the Bears are, and it's not even close.
0: Right. We're both fifty years old by that time. But my yeah.
2: my grandchild is fifty years old. <laughs> And I'm probably never having kids. So, so, so.
0: speaking of, uh, our five win total picks that we had in the offseason all went, th- went our direction week one. That's so, that right. feels pretty good. Um, Jets, Jets, Jets. Yes. Okay, let's, go let's in, move on.
2: Let's go into our picks this week. So, um, before we do that, I want to remind you about what we're doing this, this season. It's never too late to join. We're betting against bad stuff. I'm not swearing. Notice that. Betting against bad stuff. So, we bet against cancer. We're betting against suicide we're betting against social injustice and each week we're going to place a bet fifty dollars from each of us using mybookie.ag on our lock of the week and every single dollar that we win is going to charity so we are giving a hundred dollars we're going to round up because that's what we do okay. we're giving a hundred dollars to uh we're going to do my charities first first week and we're going we're to alternate so we're going to do uh Ron McDonald House and then the uh, Los Angeles Suicide Prevention Hotline by the way shout out to uh, my buddy John Geseneca who runs it who's a Jets fan so he had a great week this week um, I texted him and told him it's all downhill from here so that's an interesting thing to text a guy that's running a suicide I think the Jets start 3-0 frankly John is John is the man though so Um, so that's, that's great. We want you guys to get involved. The other thing that we're doing, of course, is the super contest. You can't enroll for that now. So if you haven't done it yet, pick a bet each week, make it your bet against cause, pick a good cause. And that way, if you win, you win. And someone else does too. So the picks of the week, they're brought to us, of course, by mybookie.ag, where you need to head and get yourself signed up. We have done, we have decided on our lock of the week and you can see it by watching the Sports Illustrated show on Friday mornings. Um, I believe that's when it's coming out. We'll tweet out the video, of course. Um, it was a arduous task. And we will certainly talk about the games that we, we deliberated. I'm not going to tell you which one is the lock of the week. But what we're going to do right now is we're going to go through six or so games, each of which we... You know, have a pick on on PFF Green Line. Um, by the way, that you can get that with an elite subscription, and you should do so because it is fantastic. We went five two and one last week, um, and uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna discuss them. We're gonna go back and forth. So, which which game do you want to lead off with here?
0: Uh, yeah, let's let's be poker facian here, and let's go with what? Atlanta minus six. Well, we don't want to give away our lock of the week right now, right? So if I immediately go with that,
2: oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So let's.
0: So if. I, so let's go with Atlanta minus six right away. Initial, so what I love, what I love to do is,
2: and this may be stupid, but what I love to do is look at a game and say, what's my gut reaction? And then convince myself why I'm an idiot. Because I feel like I'm that, I don't have a high regard for myself, and I have a lot, like, a lot of faith that I'm sharp. So I assume that my gut reaction is the gut reaction of 99% of America. And then what I want to say is 99% of America is dumb, so let me go ahead and convince myself on the other side. So my initial reaction is, "Holy cow, that's too high."
0: Yeah, and and I I would also agree with you, but I think again, if you come back and look, I think the the, the good practice would be what what would what would happen if week one didn't occur, right? And and I think if week one doesn't occur. The Panthers don't play a very ugly but somewhat impressive game against Dallas at home. Atlanta doesn't play a really ugly and unimpressive game uh, on the road against Philly. Last season, our last lock of the week of the regular season was Atlanta, I think minus four and a half minus five uh, you know at home against the Panthers. Um, so as as was the case uh, I think with with that game, we are still shaded towards the Falcons.
2: Right. And so I've convinced myself that that's the right side to be on based on I I think people are overvaluing how much Deion Jones is going to cost. Right. We Mm -hmm. talked about this before. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I'm just saying I think they were valued a little bit. And the Panthers being without Greg Olson and Luke Keekley I think, is a big deal.
0: Yeah, and not only that, they're you know uh, Daryl Williams as a tackle, Trey Turner with a concussion as a guard, like they're they're low key injured, right? And the Falcons, they make the splashes always, right? Their injuries, may, you know, make their fans you know want to jump off a cliff more than the you know the uh, the Panthers do. Um, but I think the Panthers' injuries are every bit uh, as devastating. And again. We're ta- in, the, in this case it's the be- it's the better quarterback right and a lot of the stuff that though the- though if they start running running back Cam Newton right that's the thing is that Cam Newton was very explosive especially in the first half against Dallas but I think that the the you know the Falcons have kind of the the speed and the athleticism and the toughness defensively yeah. to to combat that all right interesting
2: game here the Packers obviously that Sunday night game was crazy and Aaron Rodgers said he told Michelle i um for sure playing. lit. Right? Yeah, I don't get this. People are like losing their minds about how like lit up he was. The dude just did something insane on like a torn up knee. Shut up.
0: Yeah, You're in I a basement doing weird things with Right. I I think people both overblue the, the overblue. There you go. how how much the how much the 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 quarterback play actually contributed to that comeback. Right. It was a lot of Green Bay's, you know, sporting cast and how lit up Aaron Rodgers was. So, let's <laughs> let's come back and, you
2: know. So let's look at this game yeah. right? So they, they're hosting They're home again They're playing the Vikings And there's a lot of question About whether Aaron Rodgers Is going to play And the reason there's A lot of question Is that the Super Contest line Is minus 7 The Vikings are favored by 7 In Lambeau So that leads you to believe They are very confident That he's not playing And here's my question to you if, so, so obviously If you can find this somewhere Where it's like you know Green Bay minus 1 Or something You're probably taking Minnesota just because you, there's a 50/50 chance that Rodgers doesn't play. But if you are faced with the situation of taking in a in a Pickham league or something like that, you know, everyone is going to take Green Bay if Rodgers plays. He's going to be immobile. The Vikings are a really good defense. Is is it crazy for me to say like I'd consider taking the Vikings?
0: Yeah, I mean, what would it- we could probably compute this, but, like, what what do you think that the odds are that the Vikings cover seven points? Let me it, get
2: my TI-87 uh, Silver yeah. no, Edition. No, no, uh,
0: and then we have to put it in my, MS Paint.
2: My graph paper. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's right. So
0: code that up real I mean, quick. I mean, I would say that the Vikings defense is every— Insert shape. The Vikings defense is capable and has shut down Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau Field before, and the Vikings offense, um, even though I think that they sputtered in the second half last week— uh, you know, is capable of outscoring Green Bay. I, I don't mind it, and I think that if you get the intel that Rodgers is playing, um, then I do think if you want to be contrarian, if you want to go against literally everybody in the entire pool, you probably pick Minnesota. Yeah, can I tell you what I'm never going to do? Bet against Aaron Rodgers? And and be
2: betting on Kirk Cousins at the same time. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, next game you want to talk
1: about?
0: Uh, let's talk about Pittsburgh minus four minus four and a half against Kansas City in Pittsburgh. Gut reaction. ridiculous, absurd. the Chiefs are Super Bowl contenders. Yeah I mean, motivation is something that we don't model, but I do think that obviously like if if Kansas City wins this game, they are they are Super Bowl contenders, right mm-hmm. but I but I also think that they're playing with houses' money having won a game in week one that they weren't expected to win, going on the road for their second consecutive game. I think Pittsburgh the model the model feels the same way. We both looked at that model and said, "What the heck is going on?" Right. And and as we've sort of gone through the week, the Chiefs defense is still every bit as bad as we thought they were going to be. The the Pittsburgh offense is probably being undervalued based upon a game played against a very emotional Cleveland team in a monsoon last week. I I kind of like Pittsburgh. Yeah, I do too, and I think I think
2: everyone and their mother, their brother their sister, their dog is going to take the chiefs this week because they saw what they did to the chargers and they're getting f- five points. Like it's a lot of points, yeah. right. For two teams that I feel like most people are like, ah, yeah, the chiefs are a better team, you know, like yeah. they've got Pat Mahomes for, you know, with all that being said, I, the ch- ch- grid for the chiefs. Like they, you know, it was fantastic. They did have a, what, fullback, uh, like wheel route Wheel play. route touchdown They had a Tyreek Hill punt return touchdown A lot of drops by the Chargers A lot of drops by the, char- the Chargers The did as the Chargers they do, do. <laughs> It was something and, to behold And that and game was not a road game That's So this Steelers game Nobody from Kansas City is going You know what honey <laughs> great, great vacation idea Let's go to Pittsburgh
1: Yeah, yeah not happening I
0: think I think as much as Andy Reid has had the Chargers number, the Steelers have had Andy Reid's number over the years. I do not think that any of that external crap that made the Chiefs a decent bet last week makes them a good bet this week. Yep. All
2: right, let's go to uh, New Orleans-Cleveland. This one is interesting. It's, uh, depending on where you are, anywhere from 9 to 9.5, our consensus at the moment on Green Line is 9, and we think that that is a little short. So, here, let me... Let me make my case, and I think I think this is the the best way I can sum it up. If this were a game happening in Week One, there is no way this spread might be thirteen and a half, actually. And if you are thinking that the Saints are all of a sudden garbage because of Week One, then you probably didn't watch that game. You probably don't understand much about football, um, and you probably also didn't know that Drew Brees and the offense were in fuego, and Ryan Fitzpatrick turned into Houdini.
0: Yeah, I mean, Drew Brees had a positively graded PFF throw on 44% of his dropbacks. PFF throw. PFF throw on 44% of his dropbacks uh, You know, against uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks, only eclipsed by the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick you know, had a positively graded throw on 50% of his dropbacks. Fitzpatrick is one of those quarterbacks that I think is going to give you that unexpected game every once in a while. It's going to catch a team off guard. Tyrod Taylor is not that kind of quarterback, right? He's a quarterback whose outcomes, I think to put it to, to put it, you know, nicely are confined, right? They're you're going you're not going to get too much brilliance, you're not going to get he's not going to lose you the game by being terrible. Fitzpatrick, I mean there's there's universes where the Saints win opening night against or opening day against Tampa Bay 43 to nothing. And then there are these games, right? And so I think people are going to overreact to them and you can get a lot of value I think by taking a step back and saying if you run that game, Tampa Bay-New Orleans, a million times, how many of those end up that way? Um, and as you said, I think if you take the average of that, this game is probably a minus 13 uh, You know, uh, with Cleveland. Uh, and then again, Cleveland doesn't come back from 14 points down and tie that game against Pittsburgh. It's also a different story. Right.
2: Cleveland got six turnovers. Six we turnovers. just talked about how unstable that is. And I think this is another game where people are saying, wow, the Browns tied the." mighty Steelers yep so I, I think the Saints are enticing and, and I think at like at third glance they get you right not the first one mm-hmm. um, let's let's do one more game here we're gonna write this up of course check out our column uh, tomorrow Wh- what game do you want to discuss here
0: so let's let's talk about Seattle plus three in God, Chicago no.
2: do we have to uh,
0: I think we owe the I think we owe the listeners at least one more nail in the uh, Seattle coffin here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean the spread's three and a half, and we like Seattle, so there you go. The screaming, crying, <laughs> retching of teeth has begun,
0: right? So like, so last week we we went with Seattle in our printed picks. Uh, that was our one push, uh, and I don't know. Well, I, I was the right call to be honest. I, I, yeah, I mean I think that you know Seattle was ahead in the fourth quarter of that game, or in the third, I, in the second half of that game they had a lead, and you know I just think. Uh, you know, their defense, they get Earl Thomas back. He played extremely well. So did Bradley McDougald. I think another week of having him around. Um, I think, you know, Shaq Griffin acc- acclimating to the NFL. He really struggled in coverage. I think that they could be more creative with him. And then offensively, I think losing Baldwin's a big deal. But Russell Wilson's very good. And I and I think he, you know, avoids some of the negative plays that he had uh, against Denver's really good defense. Um, and, you know, again, it's it's the better quarterback getting points. <laughs> it's not. It's not fun. That being said,
2: yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean. Look, the the Seahawks are a solid eight spots ahead in our Elo ranking, and I think that accurately describes the difference in quarterback. And I think the defenses are probably, you know, maybe a little closer than the public would would guess. I think people sort of view the Seahawks maybe as a like you know bottom third. And they're probably middle of the pack right now, so I don't hate it. It's certainly not like my favorite thing. Um, I, I think the pick that I like keep going back to that I'm really enticed by is I, the Patriots favored by only a point in Jacksonville. Um, the we talked about this last yeah. season, right? Like the disparity of the quarterback position is enormous. So you're basically saying which team is going to win, Tom Brady or Blake Bortles? I think the Patriots' defense is much better if Gronk doesn't get knocked out of this game. Jalen Ramsey said Gronk was bad. Um, that's – look, I never want to read into the motivational thing, but it's like there are certain guys where that matters. Like it mattered for Michael Jordan. It matters for Bill Belichick. Like these guys have the – they have so many things. The reason they're able to focus on that is because they've got everything else in control. And when you
0: do that, you can you can zone in on those things and attack it. So – and it looks like they have the 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 game right where it want it. Early if you look at PFF Greenline, we have a nice graphic of where the spread has gone. Early in the week the the uh, Patriots were two-point favorites. Now it's about a them and you can see that evolution there uh, on PFF Greenline. I think that they thrive in situations where people increasingly doubt them and that was the case again against Houston. Our number like them at minus, you know, 9 or 10. And the, the, it stayed pad at six, six and a half the entire time. And I think that the, the, I think the New England, obviously there's the issue with their outside receivers, but it's not, it's not a normal team, right? The the, the Patriots figure out a way. Philip Brandon Cooks, exactly. They set. figure out a way uh, to to exploit a team's weakness. And the the you know the Jaguars are not a team without a weakness. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the Jaguars
2: are more aggressive in this game based on what happened. In- that Patriots game alright you'll have to uh, of course check out our video on the SI purchase our spot on the, uh, the yep. SI gambling show on Fridays that should be awesome by the way um, everyone doing that has, has done a great job um, so we'll tweet out a link for that like it hate it do whatever you want Eric will read the, the comments on it and let me know <laughs> um, other than that, make sure you head to ProFootballFocus.com. Get yourself a PFF Elite subscription so you can get green lines, so you can start investing and in doing some good. Pick something to bet against. If not, you're basically betting on it. Don't bet on cancer. That's a bad look. You're not going to do very well doing that. Um, and we'll see you guys on Sunday night.
1: For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's Steak, Egg, and Cheese Bagel. Oh, look at this steak.